It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. With me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And if you're new to the podcast or just returning, let me remind you what Movie Club is all about. We pick a theme every month of the year, and then Corey and I pick a movie uh, alternating weeks that one of us have not seen, um, or at least we've not seen for a real long time, um, which will come up in the future for sure as we were just planning next year already. Um, This month's theme is uh, horror anthologies. I totally blanked for a second. Horror anthologies. Um, Every October we've done some halloween or horror themed uh like month this one we went with horror anthologies and our first film that we're going to be reviewing tonight is creep show from 1982 the year i was born um and directed uh, importantly by george a romero and based on the comic books by stephen king so uh, some big names attached to this not so much in the acting well there's some big names in the acting world in this but um that's what we'll be focusing on but uh, before we get into our main part of the episode, we like to catch up a little bit and then talk about what other things we've watched since the last time we recorded. So, with that in mind, Corey, how you doing? Hi, but doing fine. It's already chilly here. I already have my heat on. I'm afraid wow. we're going to have a long winter. Um, so, if you guys hear about me crying a lot, there we are. Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm really glad the week is over. Well, Monday. Uh, they were interesting we did we did not have that it it was hot actually it was cool this morning but cool like not real cool it was just like it wasn't hot is what i would call this morning um but by the afternoon it was very very hot so you know normal florida it's october we've yet to have what i would call a cold front um i I did have a a successful uh magic night this night uh it's friday night and friday night is fnm and so those people who play the nerd poker of magic the gathering um, a new set came out this week, uh, Throne of Eldraine, which is, Corey, I don't know what you know about magic, but this is the first time they've, they've themed it based around fairy tales. And there is some really cool cards, um, and the, the artwork is phenomenal in this set. But uh, they had a draft tonight at our LGS, and uh, I did well. I, I, I technically tied for first. Me and the guy who were going to play for first both were ready to come home because I had to record this. And he had a long day. I've also had a long day. So we split the prizes. Um, Oh, nice. And, and uh, we did. We had fun, though. It was a fun night. Um, I, I like this set a lot. And uh, I, I did the pre-release last weekend, and then I did this draft tonight. And I'm, I like drafting, so I don't know what you know about Magic, but uh, drafting is you start with... Eight, there's, like, we had eight players um, in a pod, and each player has three packs. And you open the first pack, and you pick one card out of that pack, and then you pass it to your left. And so then you get a new pack, and now there's one less card, and you pick one card from that. And you're basically building a deck based on how you rotate through these packs. Um, and so it's it's a lot of fun. It's very challenging. I've not been great at these, but I did really well tonight. So I was very, very proud of myself. I built a deck that played well and uh, was competitive. And that was always that's always what you're looking for with drafts. So, um, yeah, I had a good time. Um, won't talk too much about Magic on the show. Listeners, please don't, please don't check out. I have other interests. It's just one... Um, <laughs> One you are not allowed to be a multi-dimensional person. Only movies, John. I know, and that's for, for like three years. That was basically all of my interests, and I'm still 
movies are still number one, but uh, Magic has taken up a, a, a good bit of free time, and I enjoy it. It's a it's a fun way to um, relax, and, and uh, I we had work's been kind of stressful for a lot of my coworkers this week. Um, mm-hmm. My my classes are really cool. Like uh, we had a meet like a impromptu faculty meeting to go over some things that happened. And um, I'm like looking, and my te- all my peers look real stressed out, and like the, what they're talking about is really stressful. And like my my last class is my seniors, so I've had them all four years, and most of them have been in the same class all four years. So like they know each other very well, right? We are like a little family, and there's only we should have about sixteen, and some people moved, and some people had to take extra classes to graduate and whatnot. So like we lost a few, so we're like at twelve. We should be like you know a little more. Um, so it's a little sad at the beginning of the year because we're missing people. And uh, a couple of my employees work for an ice cream company. And one of them was given an ice cream cake uh, this week. And he opted to bring it to our class and give all of my uh, his peers ice cream cake today, um, which I did not eat because I am not eating uh, sweets and sugar, which it was... Scoops Ahoy? Um, yes, it, it's the fictional <laughs> place from Stranger Things. Um <laughs> But like, oh my God, so, was Steve the Hare Harrington there? All of my, all of my coworkers look so stressed, and I'm like coming off of like, an, my class just had an ice cream cake party, you know, like, um, and we watched Return of the Jedi earlier this week, so it was like it was a good week in that class, um, and so yeah, it, it's crazy, um, you know, and all of my my classes that are not first year are always really tight because they've already done one year together, um, and then they start to kind of fold in on each other because it starts with like two of the first year classes. And then I have film one, and then film two, and then film three. And by film two and three, um, there's nobody left who isn't committed to the class because at that point you've invested two or three years of your life into it. And um, they get really close, and they they do get loud because they know each other so well. But it's, like, good loud. They're, like, excited. They want to tell me this. They want to talk about that. And it's it's like that – it did give me a headache in my fourth period today, like, instantly. Like, I had no headache, and then I had, like, a migraine. Um, because they were just so hyped and loud and it was Friday, but it wasn't bad. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were talking about what we talk about. It was just like all at once. And it was like, guys, please, please stop talking. I like to call that the swell of sound. Yes. That is exactly what it is. Where that is a great description. I know I work at home now, guys. Thank God. I had to go into the office on Monday. <sighs> Such a stressful Monday and Tuesday. But I, like, I remembered that it was loud there because I, like, get calls from other coworkers who still work there. But, like, trying to work in that noise, I, it, but it is because it'll be, like, uniform sound and then all of a sudden everyone all at once gets louder and louder and louder and louder. It's fine. Well, so I've offered, it, it, this is not a grade, but I've encouraged my students to participate in the 31 Days of Horror um, or 31 Days of Halloween movies. I let them kind of, because not every kid is into horror movies, and some parents also don't want their kids to watch horror movies. So I try to give, like, and again, it's not a grade. It's, this is, like, an optional thing where if they compete, uh, the top names are going to get, like, a little poster made for them where it says, like, uh, you watched, in the month of October, you watched, you know, 25 movies. Um, your favorite was this. Your least favorite was this one. Um, and then they're going to get candy for participating in the competition. And then out of all the people, the top performers, like if everyone completes it, let's say 20 people complete it, I'm putting their names into a drawing and they're going to win like a, a free Blu-ray. Nice. Because I just want to, I always like to encourage them to you know, branch out, watch more movies, and it's the month of October. So I thought, why not participate in this fun challenge? 
Um, and again, I, I opened it up so it wouldn't have to be like true horror. It could be Halloween themed movies. So like, you know, like Halloween Town or, or Hocus Pocus. Would Hocus count. Pocus. Um, and even like, I think you could make strong arguments for like Krampus is a horror Christmas movie, but still like it's maybe that one's a little too extreme. Gremlins, though, is like a horror Christmas film as well that you could watch now. And I would count that. Um, so like it, it's flexible and it's not trying to like I'm not forcing, but I do um, movie recommendations every week. Um as well and that is extra credit opportunities like if they watch one of them they can write a reflection and i always do uh three and i pick like two paid streaming services where they might have access like netflix or hulu or amazon prime and then i try to give one uh free streaming service like tubi tv or voodoo or uh hoopla which is through the public library um yeah and they can watch it right on their phone so i always try to pick like three movies a week uh they can watch it throughout the whole nine weeks they're an extra credit they have to watch it and and write a, a reflection essay um, but so for the month of October, all my recommendations are going to be horror to go along with that 31 days of horror. And the coolest thing has happened, Corey. I think four of my students have watched Murder Party this week. You know, the the Jeremy Saulnier film that you of and I course. are both I fans of. I love that movie. It's on Netflix I'm such right a fan. Now. What? Yeah. I mean. I was like, oh. Uh, recommendation here it is i really hope that at some point they like remaster it and put it on like blu-ray i mean if they want to go if criterion wants to get in on it i'd be okay with that but so i freaking love that movie i was like i've rec- I re- i've been recommending movies like this since like january of last year and i've had kids watch them but not not nearly as many as i've wanted for it within like two days was like a record and i was so pumped i'm like really what like I I guess I oversold Sonia because I you and I are both big fans of his work, and a few of them had seen Green Room, so like that that was I think a kicker for them too, and they all thought it was hilarious and it was really good, and they were like you know they note that it is very clearly like an early indie film, you know it's you know not the best quality, but just how you know successful the film is, and I, I like when they can see that like you don't have to have a big budget to make a movie really good and. Uh, I think Murder Party is a lot of fun. It's not for everybody, for sure. And I, I do preface, you know, the content. I'm like, it is, it's dark in themes, so you it gotta be careful. Murder, but, yeah, it's in the name. You know, it's in the name. But, and it is, it's hard to recommend horror. Um, and it, I'm, I wish it wasn't, but you know, the culture of our society right now, um, sometimes like horror just gets wrapped into. It's like people who blame video games for violent acts. People blame horror movies or like you know things like that for horror. I'm totes violent. You know, exactly. That's like, I'm like one of the most pacifistic people that I know. And yet I can enjoy some, you know, very extreme violent movies, but I know it's fiction. You know, I don't, I'm not condoning the behavior in real life. I'm watching it as an art and the exploration of something. And a lot of times what the, the, you know, meaning behind the act is in the film. And that's what I try to encourage in my students. It's like, well, why is this? And what is the point of this? And what is this an allegory for? You know, like 80 slasher films have really preach Puritan views about sexuality that you're not supposed to sleep out of wedlock. And if you do, you'll be punished for it. You know, and here comes Jason or Mike Myers to, to teach you a lesson. Um, you know, so it's like eh, morally they're they're actually saying the opposite of what's happening. Um, you may not interpret it as such, but that is, you know, I think our jobs as the the people with that wisdom to instill in our youth and and guide them to not lashing out in violent ways but instead you know understanding the idea of expo you know art and um expression that you can say things uh that you're going through through the art form and hopefully work out some of those problems that you're going through through the art at least that's my goal well 
Corey, let's get into uh, what we've been watching. Um, I don't have too many myself. Do you have uh, anything? You want to go first or second? I'll go first. All right. I haven't watched a lot. Um, I did watch um, the first episode of Creep Show on Shutter, though. Ah. That is why I, uh, if, you know, ended up subscribing. I found out that they were doing that, and I freaking loved this movie that we're going to talk about. Um, and it was really good. Um, and the second episode came out Thursday, yesterday, but I haven't been able to watch it. I'm still watching mm. Nosferatu. And on Tuesday, me and my good friend, who also loves horror movies, went to see The Shining. They remastered it and played yeah, it. Yeah. I wish that they didn't make it was only five dollars for both of those screenings they did it last thursday and then this tuesday and i just wish that it wasn't five dollars like charge like the fathom event so that because like the woman to my left kept like checking her phone someone in the row in front of me kept checking their phone uh. the people right in front of me were talking you know just like shut your mouth like shut your mouth um yeah but it was a lot of fun and because i'm reading the book like I told you this, but, mm. um, like, seeing the different things on the screen that we wouldn't really, re you know, realize the importance of them, ah. because it's very different in the book, but yeah. just really cool, and I, I love it. I need to start and the audiobook. Also, yeah, um, yeah, and I watched a cool little, like, one-and-a-half, two-minute little video about, like, uh, on IMDb that, like, director's trademarks... Hmm. And I watched the one for Kubrick, and yep. I thought that was pretty cool. They didn't mention anything about his epic scores, though, and I felt like that was a little disappointing. Hmm. But, um, yeah, so not watching a whole lot, but... Yeah, no, I, I'm on a similar boat. I've been super busy and lots going on. Um, in fact, I'm about to add more to my plate here in the near future. But, ah! um, you know, sometimes you got to do things to survive. Uh so I watched Creepshow, obviously. Um, not the show yet. Uh, I do want to, though. Um, I finally got to Howl's Moving Castle, the Studio Ghibli film, as I've been working through because of the Blank Check podcast that I've talked about many, many times. I am, uh, I will admit, I am doing dubs, not subs, and I apologize. But um, I basically just, I'm fitting them into my life, and so I can't always, I'm multitasking a lot of times, so I have to have the dubs so I can do what I'm doing but still hear everything. And I gotta admit too, I'm a fan of a lot of the voice casts that they have have, and Christian Bale is is the voice of Hal, and I'm a big Christian Bale fan, so I was like, I I gotta listen to that. But I know it's not supposed to be as good as the subs, and at some point I do want to go back and watch these with the subs because I love these movies. I've only seen one that did not really click for me, and that was Castle in the Sky, and I do feel like I need to rewatch that one. I may not have been in the right headspace for it when I saw it. But uh, I really enjoyed Howl's Moving Castle. Definitely think if you haven't seen it like I was before this week, I recommend that you check it out. Um, I think I might have told you about this documentary I watched on Netflix called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. Oh, um, um, maybe briefly. I Okay, so it, I'm going to talk about this for just a moment because I'm trying. I know I'm not going to get 31 days of horror in because there's too many days where I can't watch a movie. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays, I, I don't have a free minute. There's no movies uh, going to happen mostly and um so i i am just gonna watch them when i can fit them in if i can watch a horror movie i'm gonna try to watch a few more uh like so if i'm just watching something casually i'm gonna throw a horror movie or something about horror so this documentary is about um people who are, this is from 2017 
people who build like homemade haunts or like a haunted house like what we go to for Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> and yeah. um and then also though the documentary is kind of framing it as some of these haunts have gone extreme though over the last several years. And so like traditionally it's like people jump out at you, they don't touch you, it's all in good fun, but it's scary. And it's you know they talk about the like the history like the JCs using to do the haunted houses cuz they used to do one at Winter Haven Mall uh forever. And um so I found that really cool, and and there's some of the the people that do it, they're they're interesting, but there's this guy, um, the McCamey McCamey Manor is in Tennessee, I believe, and it is essentially people volunteering to be tortured by this guy. Um, he does whatever he wants to you. There is no safe word, so there's nothing to end it, and I I found him to be so despicable, um, and such a sociopath waiting to have his first kill, um that it made the documentary hard to watch and I, I do feel like the documentary is cool and interesting but I think it leaves a very bad taste in your mouth and it doesn't I don't feel like it concludes everything very well it just kind of ends abruptly with a little bit of uh, closure but not not enough and I would have liked them to just kind of tie it up a little tighter um, but yeah it's it's definitely worth watching it is on Netflix um, I think I first heard about it from Battleship Pretension um, and there's a one that I'm planning on watching. I'm gonna have to rent, but it's called The American Scream. Um, I think that's what it's called. Uh, I'm gonna look it up real fast. Uh, that is um, about a town that does like ha this haunted house type thing, but it's like the whole town, I believe. Um, oh, cool! And so I really want to. Yeah, it's called The American Scream. It came out in 2012, and it's a an original documentary which follows three families in a small seaside town in Massachusetts as they prepare for their annual homemade haunted houses. Um, and it's, it just sounds really, really cool. And it's supposed to be a lot more fun than uh, the dark, twisted new versions of these haunted houses where people are basically torturing people. Um, but, uh, and then last night, um, unexpectedly, I was not thinking I was going to get to see it on Thursday night, but I ended up uh, Joker. getting to go see Joker. Um, and a lot of people are asking me my thoughts because I am a Batman fanatic. Um, and I... I wish this movie wasn't Joker. Um, I do feel like a lot of the Batman, like, content that is in this movie, I'm not saying what that is. I'm not saying there's a lot of it. But you know that the character is based on the Batman villain, so there's going to be some inherent things that are built in. I I feel like a lot of it feels lip servicey or perfunctory because it is attached to that. I think this movie would have worked with him being just a guy who snaps and doesn't even, even if he still became a clown it didn't have to be joker i think some of the plot and some of the story have to do certain things because of the attachment to batman and i don't think it helps the movie um i don't dislike the movie i think there's some really good things in it i think it's very mean-spirited and it's it's dour and maybe even nihilistic and mm. um that's not like Corey. knowing how you tend to dislike movies that end that way i don't know how you'll feel about this man i love joaquin i've um, been looking forward to this yeah well and i'm not it's not a, it's a i thought it was a good performance um he is gross looking though because he lost a lot of weight for this and it, it did not do well for his body like there's a scene where he's sitting and his ribs you can just see like he looks so malnourished at points it is very like oh my god dude um and i've heard that he like kind of regrets doing this and whatnot but but it, it's not i i'm saying it's good but i am i have a lot of reservations and i do think it's going to affect the, a lot of my reservations 
are going to be very personal to me and what I want from Batman related characters um, because I am such a fan of the, the comic version of the Joker and I'm also I am a huge fan of Heath Ledger's Joker um, and I do think that there are some things in this movie that work and I think there's some things that are interesting but at the same time I, I don't know I there's something where I just can't get too excited about it I've um, and on that note, uh, David, who is our editor at BerkReviews.com, he is loving this movie, um, especially the, the elements of the mental health stuff, because he is a part of the mental health world. I won't get into what he does or whatnot, but um, it's, a, it's a subject he's very intimately knowledgeable on, and so uh, movies that deal with it um, work for him most of the time, much like movies that work with teaching or um, music often work for me because of my background um so i totally get that he loved it big tuna on the other hand hated it um like real hard uh you know friend of the podcast there and matt has not seen it yet so i don't have his thoughts but um i've had a lot of oh and our friend who uh used to also manage fye before i did you know our, yes our, um he loved it and he have, he was in the same screening as i was so um oh. it's it's all over the place and that's kind of the interesting thing about this movie is it does seem to be it's hard to um, people yeah, and I, I think that's good, though. I, I like when a movie doesn't just have a consensus where there is debate and there is... Um, and it's not just, like, you know, the critics versus, like, the, the casual moviegoer. It's it's split in both, it seems. Like, some people are really clicking with this. Some people are really not. Um, you know, I think there's good. I think there's some bad. Uh, and some bad that I don't usually harp on. Like, um, I've heard this from multiple people. Uh, we ha- some of the soundtrack choices just don't work in the movie, and I don't usually get hung up on that. But even it bothered me during the film, and then I was like, "Man, I wonder if I'm just like looking for things to dislike." And then I heard it from multiple people, including David, who really likes the movie, but also had issues with some of the music choices. I'm like, "Okay, no, that's just a problem then." Um, but it's it's still I think it's worth seeing. Um, our theater was definitely expecting a lot of people because they've never had so many screenings on a Thursday night premiere that wasn't like avengers or star wars you know so and i guess joker is like avengers in that it is a comic book character but this is not a a marvel type comic book movie nor is it a dc type comic book movie this is something different it does feel ultimately different than any of the comic book movies that have come out recently so uh not to go on too long of a tangent about joker but that was the last thing i saw so i got nothing else anyways okay so i'm still gonna see it yeah, and I'm not telling people not to see it. Uh, I'm oh, I know. Definitely giving a little bit of a warning, though. It is, especially because I do know you traditionally have not liked any noir film. And I would not call this a noir film, but it, it does share some of the themes, I think, of a noir. Where there's just this, like, nihilistic, there's no, you know, humanity's kind of done. Um, but that said, let's get into the stats for the movie of the week. We're talking about Creepshow from... Oh, I picked the TV show, not the, the movie, <laughs> um, on IMDb. Uh, we're talking Creepshow from 1982. Uh, it is rated R. Um, it's an anthology which tells five terrifying tales based on the uh, EC horror comic books of the 1950s. Um, and then Stephen King's version of it, I guess, is what it is. Or he wrote the script, I guess. Oh, he wrote the screenplay. I'm sorry. Um, I thought he wrote the comic, but apparently not. Um, directed by the father of zombies himself, George A. Romero. Uh, stars, I'm going to read a bunch of names here. Some of them are going to be important. Some of them are not. Hal Holbrook, Leslie Nielsen, Adrian Barbeau, E.G. Marshall, uh, Fritz Weaver, Carrie Nye, Vivica Linfers, Ed Harris, very young Ed Harris, um, Ted Danson, 
Stephen King himself, uh, in, yeah. in a very odd performance. <laughs> Warner shook Robert Harper, Elizabeth Reagan, Galen Ross, John Lormer, Don Kiefer, Bingo O'Malley, John Amplis, David Early, Nan Mogg, Iva Jean, so blah, blah. There's so many people in this movie. Um, I think I've got the most important ones. Though. I kind of want to... So, like, I know that I love... I really enjoy horror, but I'm not down with, like, everybody that's been in the horror film industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I did want to uh, call attention to Garbage Man number two is Tom Savini. Yes. Um, who has done acting in horror movies, but um, I think that he's a well-known, like makeup and maybe special effects artist in horror movies yeah he looked very or he sounded the name's familiar mm-hmm. so i just wanted to because he's at the very bottom of the list he is yeah I, I almost didn't say him but then you started to speak and i was like ah, i wonder if she's gonna say this guy because the yeah. name will sound familiar so there are five uh short films in this uh anthology and we're gonna go in order um unless you had another plan um that's fine for me but before we get into each one i think we'll save like specifics for the spoilers but let's just kind of general idea you were a big fan of this right i am a big fan of this i did not realize until yesterday uh when i started watching it again that it's two hours long that's how much i love it which yeah for Corey uh listener that is (laughs) that is a feat um so i i normally don't watch movies in parts but because this was an anthology i watched three of the the shorts and then took a like a break not on purpose i had to go do something um and then when i came home i finished the rest of it uh which i thought i was i'm happy about anthology because i think i'm gonna have to do that a, a little bit this month so i'm like oh this is gonna be perfect because i actually have stopping points that make sense and not like in the middle of something um but uh i'd never seen this um i am i used to love uh tales from the crypt and uh are you afraid of the dark more you know much more g-rated version of that um you know, I like American Horror Story uh, a little bit. I did get, I think, after Freak Show. I don't remember which one, if Hotel was after Freak Show. Oh, no, I watched the one, Roanoke. It was the last one I watched. That was the, um, I never watched the third season because I don't like witch stuff usually. So I was like, eh, whatever. Oh, but it's in New Orleans and it's Yeah, I've heard it's great. A lot of people love the third one. I just never went back Kathy Bates is a badass. She's always great in those. Uh, yeah. She's like usually my favorite part um, of the, the series, but... Um, I like the anthology formula. I like horror like this. I like horror comedy, which I think Creepshow is definitely aiming for campy and, and silly at times, um, which did surprise me a little bit because what I'm familiar with from, is, from Romero is definitely not comedic. Um, I, I, can't, I wouldn't say, like, Day of the Dead has some silly stuff in it, but I wouldn't say he was going for comedy. Um, and then, like, the later Romero zombie movies get cheesy but again i don't think it's on purpose yeah yeah exactly i think that's just like yeah you know what is it diary of the dead yeah diary of the dead and um there's another one that's one of the characters from diary of the dead is either in the other movie or the other way around like they make like a cameo appearance in the other film so they are supposed to be connected i can't think Uh. what it is it's diary of the dead and then something like that but um and not to talk ill of the dead of course because romero is you know gone now and i Two of my favorite zombie movies of all time are Romero's. So what he did, yes. Yeah. And uh, I've not seen his version of the Crazies, but I saw the remake of the Crazies, um, and I think he's still credited as a writer for that because they didn't change much or whatever. Oh. Um, but uh, 
I had not seen Creepshow, so I was excited to give this a go, and I would say overall I enjoyed it. Um, again, I keep referencing Big Tuna, but because Big Tuna is a former student and now, uh, you know, done more than me, I think, as a film critic at this point, um, in his very early stages of this, mind you, uh, still he's you know just eighteen, maybe just turned nineteen, or is going to be turning nineteen soon. Um, but, uh, I happened to notice on Letterbox he gave this, I think, half a star. Uh, what? <laughs> so he's not a fan of Creepshow, and I thought that was pretty funny. He is, he's hard to nail down sometimes of what he will like and what he doesn't, because he does like horror comedy, but apparently this and is just too campy. He, like, has suggested things to us that we both really enjoyed. Yes, and also he's made us watch Boo 2 Media Halloween. So yeah, but he did that on purpose because he, did do that he, on purpose. he hated, hated that. us that time. Yeah. That's what he did for winning. Well, but... we should note, since we keep refer- I've referenced him twice now, he did recommend our last anthology for this month as well. Um, yeah. I think Still he recommended Now I'm a little unsure if it was a recommendation Mm-mm. or a trap. Oh, ooh. We, um, I might need to have a talk with him because, <laughs> um, don't yeah. do me like that. Well, I think there's, I think it's one of those things. It's an anthology movie and sometimes there's one or two that are really good and then the rest of them are not. And so I don't know if that's what we're going to be getting into. Well, mm-hmm. now let me ask since, uh, we're going to get, don't give specifics, don't tell me which ones, but there are five shorts in this. Do you like all five, or is there, like, one that you don't like? And again, don't say which one. We will get there when we get there, but... To be honest, as many times as I have watched this, I love four of them, and I don't really like one of them. Ooh, interesting. I'm I, I'm so unsure which one. I think I know. I, I but... have one that's a very, very, very favorite Okay. Which I'll talk to that. I'll talk about that too. And but. I, so I, I, I think I enjoyed all five. Um, I don't think they're all great, but I think I was fine with all of them. Um, and also we should note they are tied together with a, a loose framing device, as anthologies often are, um, where a kid is reading the comic book and his dad is very intimidating and threatening and saying, you know, comics are for sissies. Yeah, total. Who is? Uh, if that's the guy from the Fog, right? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a cool, like, I'm like, hey, I know that dude. And I also didn't know this until right when we started recording, but that boy, I guess, is Stephen King's son. Oh, I did not realize that. Which is pretty rad. Um, but, uh, there was one, though, one of the shorts that I absolutely loved, um, in every regard. Like, it was like, I thought it was a fun concept. I love the name of it. Um, and I like the cast in it a lot. So I was very happy with one of them, uh, more than expected, mind you. Um, and I expected to like this. I actually went in with no hesitation thinking it would be fun. And, I mean, it is it is very campy, but I love Tales from the Crypt. And I always thought Tales from the Crypt was mostly campy. You know, like, it was especially the Crypt Keeper. You know, he's just silly. Oh, I freaking love Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm okay with this type of uh, horror where it's, you know, it's serious, but it's also not. And I do like horror comedy if it's done Me too. well. And I, like, I mean, I'm a fan. this is like camp horror comedy, but... Um, you know, because it at points it does feel like it's being very serious, but it also you it Im- it embraces the comic book panels and stuff, and I like that element of it. Um, it kind of reminds me, I think, of like Kickass did that, if I'm not mistaken. They had some of the the freeze frame into the comic panel type stuff, and um, I like that that it's doing that because this is early, this is '82, like the only comic book movie that really had been made was Superman, you know, um. And, like, some campy, like, Spider-Man TV movie and, like, you know, the I think the Hulk TV show had already been out and stuff like that. But for the most part, movies were not made for comic books. And if they were, it was all superhero themes. So, like, doing, like, this horror comic was really cool. And I, I like that they did that. Um, 
So, listener, that's our, our initial review. Uh, Corey and I both like Creepshow. 82, Corey uh, loves it, I guess would be more accurate. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it, it is exactly what I think it's trying to be. And I found that super enjoyable. And if you like that kind of horror, it's going to work for you. Um, with that, though, we're going to get into the specific episodes. Or the specific shorts, I guess you could say. Corey? Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Creepshow from 1982 in great detail. You've been warned. All right. So it starts which, with Father's Day. I want to ask, though, which one uh, do you think is my favorite? Your favorite? Oh, I don't know for sure which one is your favorite. I think I mm, I feel like tied you over. <laughs> no. Okay, that's my favorite. <laughs> I knew it was going to be your yeah, favorite yeah. when you started talking about the cast. Yeah, I love um, the cast. My favorite is actually the first one. Okay. Father's Day. I um, do like that one a lot. I freaking love it. I feel like it's such a good, it sets such a good tone for the yes. rest of the the movie or, you know, the shorts. I just think that everything about it is perfect. And yes, it does have a baby Ed Harris in it. I, I just, I also, so you did talk about how they like pull like the, uh, horror comic book like art into it and stuff and I really love that and I love their use of color too because they use a lot of reds and a lot of blues yes yeah and those like those moments where like there's shock or like revelations and it goes to like the, the actor in front of like a comic panel basically like there's just like a big red like uh, bubble behind them or a blue bubble like you know like the artwork is just really unique and cool and I, I like that um, quite I a bit I think that it I feel like I I wonder if they did this thinking that it was going to be a commercial success or if they just did it for their love of horror comic books because I feel like their love for it really shines through. But I just, I love, I don't know why I love it. I don't love that her dad comes back and kills her. But no. that the end shot of it is just like one of my favorite scenes in a movie like, like that's still with the the woman's head on the the cake or the platter or whatever yeah, I, it's my, not... I made my own cake <laughs> and it's not even bedelia his daughter who no. murdered him it's yeah. like his niece or something but i just i don't know what it is about this one she's just an old alcoholic and you know i mean he was he murdered her fiance so I don't really, yeah, with the, I don't uh, really feel bad. The gravestone falling on his head. Young Ed Harris. Oh, um, no. I'm talking about he murdered Bedelia's Oh, oh, oh. Before Beyonce. him. Beyonce. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We don't see and that, though, right? It's just, we're just told well, that yeah. that happened. Well, we get, like, flashes of them, like, hunting and stuff and uh, him getting shot, but they don't show him doing it, you know? But. Yeah. Yeah, and then him I demanding just... with the the uh, where is my cake with the cake? I want my cake, Bedelia. It's Father's Day. You promised me. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, poor poor Bedelia. You, you definitely feel, uh, you know, some sympathy for her. And then the whole scene at the graveyard um, on Father's Day and uh, him. The zombie is really cool looking. Though. I like the art design on him a lot. Like even how he comes out of the ground, I think is really cool. Yes. And it's, a, it's not a technical zombie because he does speak and he is, um, while he, I wouldn't say he's fully functional, he definitely has some sentience, uh, um, enough that he wants his damn cake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I don't it, even know, like, what to say about it, but 
Uh, I think last year, Waxworks, which is a record label that I really enjoy, they only put out horror scores and soundtracks. Oh, okay. Like, released this and Creepshow. Well, they had already done Creepshow 1, but they reissued it, and they did Creepshow 2, and they did, like, all these buttons, and, of course, I had to get the cake on the, the head on the platter. Oh, man. <laughs> it's the yeah. best. Um, But I... I don't even know what to say that I I just love this segment. Yeah, it's a lot. No, I think you said some good things. I think this is a really they made the right choice with opening with this one because it's scary to a degree. Like I I wasn't scared, but I could see why it might scare somebody. Like the idea of one like uh, this woman is life is kind of falling apart because of what she did. Um, that there was never any like legal repercussions, but then. You know why you kind of can empathize with why she would kill this her uh, kind of abusive father, that he comes back anyways, and then he just like kills a bunch of people, um, and then you know makes a head cake, which is so screwed up, but uh, <laughs> it's super it's super campy and funny, and those again those the way they do the visual shock moments where they're put in front of the screen and whatever, um, yeah, it, it's it's the right one to open with because it's you get a little bit of everything this movie's gonna do. It's gonna be weird. It's going to be funny. There's going to be cool costume design. And uh, I really, I think a lot of the production design of this movie is really cool. Like, I love the zombie look. Um, and the next one, I think there's some of the stuff they do visually is really cool. Some of it looks a little cheap, but it's it's 82. And it's just, I don't think there's a huge budget to this movie. So um, $8 million budget in 82, which is a lot, actually. I, I think that's pretty pretty solid amount for a, a horror film in 82. But it made $21 million in the box office, according to Wikipedia. So nice um all right so that's father's day Corey's favorite and that's i can see why um i, I honestly like the ballad of buster scruggs which is the, the most recent anthology film that i can think of that i've seen um i love the ballad of buster scruggs the most and maybe because it, it sets the tone for the rest of it you know it gives you an idea of what the coens are doing they're exploring the western genre in a variety of ways um this one has like some fun music it's very dark and yet it's funny I love the way that one opens, and I think this is a very similar idea. It sets the tone for the rest of it, um, and I do think it, it. I don't think it goes downhill because I like the third one the best, but um, I do think it's a. It's the second for me. It's definitely the second one of the five. I think this is the second best. Um, and again, young Ed Harris. So, and he can't be that young to be honest. Let's go dancing, Ed uh, Harris. And, <laughs> his death is kind of crazy but all right so next up in the the list is the one that shocked me the most it's the lonesome lonesome <laughs> death of jordy verrill and stephen king is the lead and oh man um wow i love it so much i love that he was in it chapter two not spoiling it yeah but i just love that he just doesn't really take himself too seriously um and I mean, uh, I think that this one's really fun, and I love yeah. how they wrap up this little story, too. I think that it's so hilarious. Um, Bill was watching some of it with me, and I just was dying when they wrapped it up, but um, uh, I just, I, you can tell he's having so much fun with it. Yeah, he's he's being very big. Um, he's playing maybe a little too hard on the backwoods yokel stereotypes. Oh, because he's like partially cross-eyed, and he, the way he speaks, and uh, yeah, it, it, he's it's definitely hammering home those old stereotypes of like the dumb redneck 
you know, they use on Wikipedia the dim-witted backwoods yokel, but uh, Jordy Verrill is his name. Um, you a meteorite, kid. a meteorite lands in his property, and he thinks that he's going to make a lot of money. Which his lot of money is two hundred dollars, I think, from the college. Like that, the college will pay lots of money for this. And oh man, like just that is like what the hell? And then they have like him thinking about it with the college professor um, offering him the money, and he's like negotiating badly um it's funny this one is definitely much funnier than it is scarier but it goes to such a dark place at the end um when he's you know completely overtaken by this he throws water on it the meteorite uh cracks open and um it it starts to grow like this alien vegetation it's just like growing rapidly it's not just growing on the ground though it's growing on everything it's taking over his house it's taking over him it's growing on him in his mouth I love when he's like, oh, no, not there. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it made me think of Invasion of the Body Snatchers that we just recently Agreed. watched. I, I also had some reminiscence. You know what else it reminded me of, though? What? Joe Dirt. Oh, I love Joe Dirte. Remember he finds a meteorite, but it's not a meteorite. Oh, it's the, <laughs> the, the the frozen, like, waste from an airplane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just... <laughs> because of the backwoods yokel like idea then finding a meteorite and thinking he's going to make a lot of money off of the meteorite because that's he takes it to a pawn shop in joe dirt to to sell it and that's when he finds out that it's not a meteorite that it's plain waste um so yeah this whole time i like i'm watching this i'm like man did joe dirt like pull from this like is this like hey let's include that meteorite thing that'll be funny um but yeah so this uh it ends as i said darkly where he's now completely covered in vegetation, where he's like this really cool-looking plant Sasquatch almost, or like Swamp Thing-ish, um, and then he shoots himself in the head, and it's super dark. Um, like, And hoping that his luck is with him yeah, just this time. Um, and then, like, at the end, it, like, they pull, you know, away, and it, like, shows his farm and where the vegetation's, like, growing out, and they're... There's like a clip of the news because he's been listening to and watching the news, mm-hmm. and they're talking about it's going to be a really green season or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, you guys have no idea. But yeah, because it's you see it spreading down the road, like it's not done. Like this, is, the world's going to be taken over by this vegetation, apparently. Yeah. All right. And he's like, I mean, we get. Uh, do we even see the person in the meteor department? Maybe we see him, but I mean, pretty much it's just Stephen King. Yeah, uh, and then there's um, he sees like his dead dad or his brother. Oh yeah. For like in the mirror for like a few seconds, where the guy tells him, um, "Don't get in the bath, you know, you idiot. Like you can't give it water. It's plants. Like it'll get worse." Um, but he gets in the bath anyways. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's it's again, it's a big performance. It is not a good performance, but it is it fits this campy story that's being told so it's you know it's there and again a little stereotypical so it could be offensive now um but i think at the time it was completely what it was going to be um all right so the third one is my favorite something to tide you over this has leslie nielsen and uh uh, ted danson you very young pre-cheers i think ted danson um if i'm not mistaken i think cheers comes out a couple years later uh so um super young and i am a current fan of ted dancing thanks to the good place and hearts beat loud one of my favorite movies from 2018 Um, so good yeah and uh so this one's interesting because leslie nielsen's character is uh richard vickers he is a wealthy uh the wikipedia calls him a psychopath um 
but he has realized that uh, his wife is having an affair with Ted Danson's character, um, Harry Wentworth, and uh, basically puts them in, in these horrible positions where they're, he buries them in the, uh, in the beach with only their heads showing so that when the tide comes in, they will drown, slowly drown, because at first they won't drown, and then eventually their head is completely underwater. Um, the build-up to that is really dark. I, th- I thought Nielsen is excellent, and this weird comedic dark, like, totally reminds me of, like, a, a Naked Gun or Airplane-type, like, character, yet dark and twisted, and he just is so good at it. And I, I'm a big Leslie Nielsen fan. Um, uh, most people my age especially only know him from Naked Gun and maybe from Airplane, um, if you're cultured enough to know Airplane. Um, but uh, he was like a serious dramatic actor for years before he ended up in comedy. I mean, he's also, uh, he's Dorothy's boyfriend for a little while on the Golden Girls, and I think he's Blanche's cousin or uncle or something. Um, uh, so I, I'm a fan of his, and I really love him in this movie. I also love the name of this one. It's my favorite name, like something to tide you over and that they get killed by so the tide. Funny. Like it's, yeah, it's so funny. Um, and again, I think that really hits the, uh, the tone of this whole thing that it's campy and silly. And it's like, it's kind of dad jokes. Um, I think when you see Ted Danson completely underwater, it's really well done and it looks, it kind of was horrifying. Um, like that idea of like slowly being drowned i yeah it, when i have to go i hope it's not by drowning at all uh, i find that so very terrifying but um also that he makes him dig his own hole yes he does and that's so dark uh dig your own hole and then he he's filming it all because apparently he has i don't know if he's like um just like has all this equipment or if it, it seems like it's part of his career um, that he has all these like security cameras and closed circuit TVs and somehow is able to run a very long cable to uh, his house to have this closed circuit camera filming both his wife and Ted Danson being uh, drowned. Um, and then they come back as uh, waterlogged zombies. And um, I guess they're, they're kind of not zombies, but they, they're not ghosts either because he does shoot them, but they don't die. And uh, he is he ends up what does he bury himself right isn't that what we're supposed to take that he like kills himself the same way um and he shouts i can hold my breath for a long time but then when the water hits his face he does not look happy <laughs> like um i thought that they buried him maybe they bury him i i can't remember uh it doesn't say because he says that um he says it like he did it to himself like to prove it was almost like kind of reminds me of telltale heart like he feels like a guilt and he's doing it um to get rid of the guilt you know but then again it says two sets of footprints steering off into the surf so yeah i guess they buried him but um, he still says i can hold my breath for a long time which is just such a funny defiant like crazy thing to shout you know when you know you're gonna yeah. have to die <laughs> Don't give them the satisfaction, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Stay the asshole to the final second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. See, I, I've i seen him in Naked Gun, but I I haven't really seen him in a Wait whole lot. Wait a second. Have you never seen Airplane? Not not that I can recall. Mm. Corey, you're missing one of the world's best parody movies. Uh, you know, I think that my dad didn't like Leslie Nielsen growing up. What? Yeah, oh, man. my dad also introduced me to this movie. I could be wrong because I was very young. I'm but... a big fan of the Naked Gun trilogy. Um, those movies, when I was a kid, I loved them. And in fact, 
in middle school i had a friend who also was a fan and we used to just like quote them to at each other like and no one else seemed to know them but we for some reason had seen both of them like many or all three of them many times um and then airplane i saw several times as a kid but i actually got to go um the directors were at the florida film festival a couple years ago oh, for a cool. q a and i went to that and it was really cool um they showed airplane and then did q a that was i went to like all the q a's that's when billy crudup i saw jesus son and then i went and saw uh, leah thompson with back to the future which was my favorite of course because big back to the future nerd um but uh yeah leslie nielsen and you watch golden girls so you have to remember him as dorothy's boyfriend for a few episodes because she almost trying- marries him like remember and i just was watching it recently and then it got really stupid in the last season so i stopped yeah i can't remember if he shows up in the last season actually i think it's close because i think i think the final episode is her debating on marrying him or going back with stan if i'm not mistaken oh Uh, dorothy yeah if Uh, i remember correctly smarter than that okay um but yeah uh and initially blanche sets them up on like a blind date to uh not have to go to dinner with him because he's like in town or whatever and then uh they decide to mess with her and pretend like they're in love but then they like actually start to fall in love and i like i like those episodes but again i'm a leslie nielsen fan so um all right that's the the third one the fourth one is called the crate uh this one i found the hardest to keep track of who is who like i got really? really confused of who like each of the male characters was for a minute um but i i did like this one a, a little bit um a little bit a little bit i i like i don't dislike it uh but i did find like i think it's so funny it's very funny and it's but it's also very dark right like it's it's very very dark i mean all of, um, it's a horror movie so all of them are dark yeah. to some degree but i you know i just i you know he's like so chill and so laid back and composed and then adrian barbeau um I didn't even realize that this was her for the longest yeah, time with I didn't, that firm I, hair. I've been trying to figure out who she was in this anthology, and you just basically helped me put that together. I was like, she oh, my God, that's her. obnoxious and just horrible. And the complete – she's a drunk um, that just embarrasses him all the time in front of his colleagues. Uh, what would you do without me? Yeah, and he fantasizes about killing her or, like, at least telling her some stuff. Um, and then we find out those are fantasies, but then an opportunity arises where he can actually kill her. Um, and it's through a friend who's a college professor who opens this crate. And it is like a, uh, I would say it's a baby Yeti, although the description on Wikipedia says a multi-fanged ape-like creature. But, uh, like, not a baby Yeti, but like a, a dwarf Yeti? Like, he's, he seems short, right? Like, he's big and strong, but his, like, torso is very, very small. At least that's the vibe I, I got because he's in a crate that's not very big. Yeah. But, that like, would. it eats people and it, uh, some of the, uh, it, I mean, it looks like, like, mannequins and stuff, but, oh. um, uh, when, when he, like, rips the face off or he bites, he bites the neck, but it's also pretty brutal and I thought it looked really good. I, I enjoyed the practical effects. I really, I don't get hung up on practical versus CG a lot, but with horror movies, I do seem to advocate for practical. I really appreciate it. That's why I love I just, uh, American thing. Werewolf in London and The Thing. Like, I just love seeing what they were able to create in The Fly. It, like, oh my god. Yeah, I just, I feel like too often, I guess, with CGI, it's just, why does that seem more obvious to me than a practical effect? Yeah, and I would I rather know. see, like, a, clearly what is a dummy with, like, fake skin being ripped off 
than just like a CG like splash of blood. You know, I would rather see that because I I can appreciate the craftsmanship behind it. Um, and that's not to take away from like digital artists. Like they have to do a lot. It's not an easy. It's not like you click a button and it's there. It's a lot of work to put CG into a movie. So I'm not criticizing those who do it, but. I am so much more impressed by the practical because I can't do hands-on stuff. Like I'm not good at building things or like constructing things like that. So like that someone can do it. And when it looks amazing, like in the thing, for example, when those, those things look real, you're like, how did they do that? Um, and they made it look like the actual person's head crawling around. You know, it's, it's crazy. But even in this scene, I thought the creature design was cool. I thought all the violence and gore was really cool. This is, I think the goriest of the, the four though. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. there's like a lot more blood and a lot more. And it's not all on screen, but when it does get on screen, like the first death in this is very like he's in the crate, but like it's just like blood running down a dummy. Like you don't see a whole lot actually happening. But once the monster is out and he attacks the second guy, it's much more violent and brutal. And I think when he kills the wife, it's pretty brutal, if I remember correctly. I I love that. Uh, he I he like finally loses it with her you know and like grabs her by the arm and is trying to push her to go under the stairs and then he finally talks her into it and then it doesn't seem like it's going to happen and then when he's almost given up hope you know yeah. <laughs> i don't know i'm not trying to make it sound inspirational she is obnoxious but i'm not saying to go try well, to kill your spouse and that's th one of the downsides i think of creep show in general is the women are all kind of like not like treated with any kind of dignity or respect there's no like main female character that i can think of um yeah no there's not like here she's a a you know uh what's the word for like uh well she's obnoxious i can, there's a better word for it where she's just like this awful i mean i don't not a curse word oh well but she's um nagging and and cruel and mean and degrading to him and so yes he fantasizes about killing and we are like oh, okay yeah that's fine and then, like, the first one, the woman is uh, mistreated by her father and then kills him. But in the end, he gets his just desserts. Ha-ha. <laughs> because um, he gets the cake, you know. And then, uh, then the, the woman's having an affair with her husband and she's murdered. Again, the woman is, like, painted as kind of a villain-esque character. So when, when she's killed, we're okay with it, you know. Even though we're not because he's also... I wasn't evil. really okay. No, you're, and you're not supposed to be because he gets his payback, too. But they're not, like she's not like an innocent woman she's done something she's wronged him he goes too far but again this like this woman's cruel and mean but then he he feeds her to a monster um the only one that doesn't have a woman in it is the lonely man you know who uh i think there's something with with a woman in the scene like he says something about a woman or there's like a nudie magazine there's something uh to imply that he would like to have a lady i think if i uh, again i've only seen this one so i might be putting stuff in here and it's getting late in the recording now too so my brain might be shutting down who knows um the last one i i don't know how i feel about the last one see um, it's my one that i i like watch it so i can you know i get the end but... so the last one's called they're creeping up on you and it's about roaches um but metaphorical roaches um all the literal roaches in his in his mind but they i think the implications are uh he calls everybody bugs and um he is uh upson pratt is a cruel ruthless businessman whose misophobia has him living in a her hermetically sealed apartment controlled completely with both electrical locks and surveillance cameras 
Um, he runs a business. He's rich and he's crazy. And, uh, yeah, uh, he's got this paranoid thing about roaches. Um, they, uh, which if you, man, so if you don't like roaches, this, this gets pretty heebie-jeebie creepy, like, type stuff. Yeah, I legit was, yeah. got the heebie-jeebies Yeah, the yeah. End. Cause, like, especially when they, like, come out of him, right? Cause they come out of his, like, he's completely com- comprised of roaches, right? That whole scene is real, like, I like the... It's horrifying to look at, but it, I mean, it's it's well done. I think it looks really good, like when they start ripping out of his chest and stuff. Um, there's not there's not much to this one. He's an a hole, and then he gets he his biggest fear comes to fruition. But he he treats everybody like bugs to be stepped on or killed. Um, they're disposable. They're just a nuisance. And then he's basically killed by his own paranoia and fear. Um, I was kind of surprised at how racist Mm. because he says that he's noticed that like people I think he says your color do Uh, really good in these service jobs yeah 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 Um, but I mean he's supposed to be totally despicable so I'm not surprised that's what they go for I mean it's not like they gratefully didn't like drop the n-word or anything but yeah he does say something very degrading Um, but it is uh yeah, it's not it's not the best, um, but it's still creepy, and I think it ends the the whole thing well enough. And it's also I think it's one of the sh- is it shorter than some of the other ones? I think the I crate's like the longest. Is. The crate feels the longest to me. Um, and then I I feel like this one went pretty quickly by comparison. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right. I'm not. Yeah, I don't 100%. have the time in front of me, but I feel like I'm I'm right, but. Um, and then after that one, it goes to the epilogue where we see uh, the comic book from earlier, which I mentioned, but I didn't get into. The comic book's in the trash can. We zoom in on it, and we start the stories. Um, we come back out of it a few times, but now there's two garbage men holding it, and they're flipping through the book. And if you're familiar with old-school comic books, there were all these ads for these crazy products you could get. Uh, most common was, like, the X-ray specs, you know, that you could get these glasses and see, like, through people's clothes and stuff. Um, but then there's one for a voodoo doll, but the uh, the little tag has been removed. And we go inside to see the do- uh, the dad who had earlier thrown the comic book away, telling his uh, wife, "You're lucky that I'm here because you know dads have to be tough sometimes." And blah blah blah. And then he starts like choking, and we cut to the kid, uh, who, by the way, earlier had said, um, "I hope you burn in hell about his dad." Right? Um, now he's stabbing the voodoo doll in the neck, and the dad is being basically tortured by his son through magic. And it's, it ends the film. It's dark, and it's exactly what this film is. It's this weird horror uh, comedy um, anthology thing that is entertaining. Um, I found it to be definitely a lot of fun. I don't think it's like a masterpiece of horror or anything like that, but I do think it's if you are into this type of thing, it's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, I would say, uh, for me, I think I'm going to go not quite golden must see i watch it and i can't yeah how, how can i fault you for that uh, you totally live you practice what you preach with that one right you do watch this a lot thus must see is applicable um i definitely think i will revisit this one though i think this is fun um and again i was the, a big fan of the tales from the crypt back in the day yes um so the first one is not streaming anywhere but creep show 2 i think is on shutter or maybe it's uh prime and i've noticed that they have some overlap which i think is interesting but anyways 
in case then, people want to watch that one because you don't need to watch the first one to watch the second one no there even you don't have to watch the whole thing if you just if like what we just talked about if you watch without spoilers now you're curious i'm sorry you listened without watching and now you know the spoilers you could just pick what you want that's the beauty of an anthology and um you know sometimes like I, and that's just it i don't know that i'll ever watch the last one again and i don't think i'd watch the stephen king one again i think i would just jump around to the other three um but then again, maybe I would just sit, throw it on and like do stuff, you know, throw it on and do work or whatever, uh, and just look up when I want to look up. Um, and again, not that the Stephen King one was bad. I just was like, I'm good. You know, I don't need to see that again. I got it. Uh, there's nothing like intelligent about it or anything. I don't think there's any like real big commentary. It's just like, hey, look, I can be a, a, a backwoods yokel. Um, drinking a screwdriver out of a pitcher. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, at that point. Yeah, he's just like, I you need know, vodka. Um, enjoy what you got left. <laughs> but uh, that is our first anthology. Um, next week, we're going to be watching uh, Cat's Eye, which is another Stephen King connection, right? Yeah. Um, Corey picked this one, so you've never seen this. I think that I might have seen like parts of it when I was a kid, but... Mm-mm. And it was kind of... I think that it might be out of print or something. I yep, feel like um, I ended up finding a used copy at my local record store, but ah. um, yeah, I can't. And if I did see it, it was when I was really young. So well, a stray cat is the linking element of three tales of suspense and horror. Uh, it is directed by Louis Teague, again written by Stephen King. Um, stars Drew Barrymore, very, very young Drew Barrymore, but post, uh, by three years, post-E.T. E.T.? Um, and James Woods, who is currently a controversial figure in Hollywood, um, as his political stances are often a little out there, and he has been very aggressive defending them. Um, those are the two big stars in this. Um, oh, Charles S. Dutton's in it. Oh, Frank Weller! Welker! Um, Mike Starr, I know. There's actually quite a few people in this. So I guess this one's going to have three uh, connected films. It's only an hour and a half long. Um, so I would like to assume that they're each 30 minutes because that's how I would divide it up if there were three. But, you know, I'm very symmetrical. Um, King, we don't really know what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it because I, I, I've seen the imagery of Drew Barrymore from that movie for, for years but have not seen the movie. So I'm excited to give it a go. Um, I'll be watching it digitally for sure. Uh, I think that'll be the easiest way to do that. Um, so if you watch it or if you've seen it, if you're a fan of Cat's Eye or if you want to give us feedback on Creep Show, please uh, reach out to us. You can find us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. Sorry, at Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And of course, you can also use Anchor.fm, that's our web host for our podcast, um, to leave voicemail for us and we can actually put you into an episode. So please, if you like what we're doing, you want to give comment, give feedback, leave that voicemail. Um, if you like what we're doing, we ask that you rate and review us on whatever platform you're using, probably iTunes. It helps other listeners find us. Um, with that in mind, we love movies, and we encourage you, until next time, to keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movie-verse, there's something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk 
or from all good podcast providers.